We are in a collection called Sabbath, and we're talking about this ancient practice of Sabbath, and we've been talking about the four rhythms of Sabbath that we've identified. Stop, rest, delight, and worship. And as you know, this is the third week, and the question that you guys asked, today we're talking about delight. Okay, um, let's start off with a quote by Timothy Keller, my man TK, all the way from New York, now retired, living his best life. He says this, because the world is full of ugly things, we need the Sabbath to feed our soul with beauty. Now, you don't need me to tell you. I mean, we just prayed for it. There is, the world is full of ugliness. Poverty, war, violence, racism, injustice, all birds. Just kidding. Right? The world is full of so much ugliness. And dar- I'm just kidding, guys. All birds are great, okay? San Francisco staple. But... As much as the world is filled with ugliness, it's also filled with goodness and beauty. We can't deny it. In the Genesis story, it says God saw all that he had made, and he said it was very good. Now, the word good here in Hebrew is tov, which can also be translated as beautiful. And so we can actually read this passage as God saw all that he was made, all that he had made, and said it was beautiful. But all too often, if you've been living for as long as I have, you know that the beauty that's in the world is often overshadowed by the ugly. This is why Jesus said in John 16.33, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble, you may have trouble. No, you will have trouble. And if you've lived long enough, you know that trouble always seems to come around. Sorrow will come with or without our permission, but joy is something we have to choose again and again and again. Here's the thing. Sorrow is inevitable, but joy is not. It's something that we have to choose. Now, in Scripture, joy is both a noun and a verb, right? It's a noun. It's something you feel. It's something you experience. But it's also a verb. It's something that you do. There is such a thing as to joy. See, there are seasons and there are times when joy comes easy, when you get that promotion at work. Um, I don't know how dating apps work, but when you swipe and someone swipes back, is that how it works? I don't know. I'm aging myself. I'm dating myself. When that person you asked out says yes, when your favorite TV show comes on, when your child is born, there are moments and seasons where joy comes easily and naturally. There's a grace for it. But how many of you know there's also times when joy must be a discipline? An active choice that we make in the face of sorrowful circumstances. Richard Foster, he calls this the discipline of celebration. Doesn't that sound horrible? A discipline of celebration. Have you ever thought of celebration and joy as a discipline? You know, like the way prayer or fasting or scripture are disciplines. Do you intentionally practice celebration in your life? Do you intentionally practice celebration as a means to which God forms you and disciples you and transforms you? What Richard Foster is saying is that we don't become joyful people by accident. Unless maybe you're an Enneagram type 7. But even us, you don't become a joyful person by accident. No, we have to intentionally carve out space in our lives for joy and delight and celebration to become the joyful people that God has called us to be. And so today, the premise of my entire message is this. Sabbath is a discipline of celebration. 
It's a delivery mechanism for joy and delight. It's something we intentionally do to make space for joy and delight in our lives instead of just waiting for it to breeze over us like the San Francisco Bay Wind. I don't know where I was going with that, but something like that. It's one of the most important ways in which we become people who are full of joy. Y'all with me? All right, let's go to Genesis 1, 31, 2 to 3. We've been reading this three weeks in a row. Are you proud of me? We've been diving into the same scripture for three weeks. We're going in deep. All right, Genesis 1, 31. It says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good or very beautiful. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Now by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested, or Sabbath from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested, or Sabbath from all the work of creating that he had done. And we've been talking about this. The word rested here in Hebrew is Shabbat, which can mean to stop, to stop all work. It can mean to rest, but it can also mean to delight. On the seventh day, God delighted in all his work. Now, I know what you're thinking. See, already our mind, where it's going is, we we think this idea of God was so burnt out and he needed a break. Like us, right? When we get to the week, oh my God, I can't wait for the weekend because I'm so tired and I need to catch up on my rest and to catch up on fun. But it's not like, oh my God, thank God that the weekend is finally here. This is more like the feeling you get after, during moving day, you finish unpacking all your stuff and arranging all your furniture, and then you just sit and enjoy your new home, right? This is that feeling you get after you complete a work project that you've been working on for months, and then you and your team go out to celebrate, right? This is after a long-awaited marathon training process that Kevin went through. You run that race, and you finish that race, and you feel good at the work that you had done. You know, back in the day, I can say that now because I'm 35, back in the day when I was a musician and I was a recording artist and I was touring, one of my favorite feelings while working on music was right after I finished. And I never quite felt like my music was perfectly done, but at some point you just have to say, it's done, I'm going to put it out. My favorite moment was when I finished a song and I just got to listen to it. My, my thing would be, I would burn it onto a CD. I'm aging myself again. I'd bring it into the car, go for a drive, and just listen to the music that I had created and enjoy it because I had worked hard on it. Um, I'm not as handy as someone like Fatai or other people in our church, but I'm really good at Ikea furniture. I am so good. If you need help with Ikea furniture, I got you. And there's this feeling about when you've been working on Ikea furniture all day, and it takes me all day. It's only supposed to take an hour, but it takes me all day. And you just finish the work of your hands, something that you had done, and you get to enjoy the work that you had put in. This is the kind of delight that they're talking about. Not, I'm burnt out, and I need to fall onto the couch and just binge because I'm tired. No, God was delighting in his work, not because he was weary, but because he wanted to experience joy. Scripture says God blessed the Sabbath. Now the word blessed here is Barak, which can be translated into making happy. Sabbath is to be a happy day. Look to your neighbor and say happy. I felt like some of y'all got happier from that. Sabbath is supposed to be a happy day, an entire 24-hour period. Set aside to follow God's example, to stop, 
to rest and to delight. Um, I know we got some kids in the audience, but Eugene, Eugene Peterson, the, uh, the, the translator of the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson once said, a day off is a bastard Sabbath. Right? Sabbath is so much better than just a day off. It's so much more than just a break from work. It's a day devoted to celebration and delight, a day to immerse ourselves in beauty and wonder. Binging Netflix all day is a bastard Sabbath. Scrolling through TikTok all day is a bastard Sabbath. Having your mind preoccupied with all the work that you need to get next week done is a bastard Sabbath. Running errands and doing chores is a bastard Sabbath. It's a poor imitation of what God intended this day to be. Dan Allender, who writes a lot about Sabbath, says the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. Sabbath is a day when the joy of God's coming kingdom is celebrated now rather than anticipated tomorrow. It's a day to pop open the good wine, to eat your favorite food, to do the things you've been wanting to do in the company of your favorite people. Sabbath is an invitation to enter into delight. Now, the three things that God calls us to delight in, the first is delight in God's world. Do you know that creation was not only made for God's glory, but it was made for our enjoyment. God delighted in the world that he created, and his heart is for us to delight in it too. You know, one of the ways we honor someone is by enjoying what they made. You know, every week that Joseph um, films and then we work on those reels, um, we delight when people watch it and enjoy it. You know, if you've ever cooked for someone, there's a joy in the actual act of cooking, but there's a, another kind of joy when the person that you cook for enjoys what you made, isn't there? Um, I know some people only love that. Like Seabell doesn't even love eating her own food. Or actually, you do, huh? You love both. But you, there's like a delight that comes over her when she cooks for someone and they're enjoying it and delighting in it. When we enjoy all that God has created, it not only brings him joy, but or it not only brings us joy, it also brings him joy. And so on Sabbath, we delight in God's creation, nature, food, art, music, people. So the question is, what part of God's creation will you enjoy and delight in in this Sabbath? Will it be the outdoors? Will it be the arts? Will it be people? The second thing we delight in, we delight in our lives in God's world. Do you know that neuroscientists say that the mind is drawn to the negative over the positive at a rate of something like 14 to 1? This is why the news capitalizes off of tragic events. 
We are just, our minds are drawn to choose the negative over the positive. We are hardwired this way, meaning we have to be intentional about setting our minds on beauty. And so on Sabbath, we decide I'm going to set my mind on beauty instead of the ugliness. On Sabbath, we remember and focus on all the blessings that God has given us. We focus on what we have, not on what we need or lack or want. I mean, we have six other days where we do plenty of that. But on Sabbath, we say, I'm not going to focus on what I need, lack, or want. I'm going to focus on everything that you've given me. Sabbath is a day to remember just how rich our lives are. You know, a few years ago, I'm I'm like really inconsistent. My, I'm so scatterbrained. But... For one year, I devoted myself to recording one second video clip every single day. It's, it's an app called One SE, One Second Every Day. And what you do is on the app, you just take one second clips of every single day. And then I, you know, normally I'm not consistent, but that, that year, 365 clips, I did it. And there was something about watching it back that just brought me so much delight. And so on my Sabbath, I would just rewatch how much I had gotten up to that point in that year. And so the first week was kind of lame because it was like six seconds. But then the second week was like 12 seconds, right? And every week it would add seven, 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 seven. And so I got to the end of the year and I rewatched my year. And for some reason, it just stirred up so much gratitude and so much delight. I thought, man, I am so rich. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of broke, but I'm rich. I am so rich in relationship. I'm so rich in experience and community. You know, if you want uh, a really helpful way to practice gratitude, really recommend downloading the app one second every day. So good. But on Sabbath, this is what we do, essentially. We remember all the blessings that God has given us. We take inventory and stock of every gift that he has given us that is good. And so we delight in our lives in God's world. But the last thing is we delight in God himself. And we're actually going to talk more about this next week. But on Sabbath, we make space to delight in God. We acknowledge there's a delight and a joy that can only be satisfied in our maker, in God himself. And so Sabbath is a day to delight in creation, to delight in our lives, and to delight in God. And the question I want to ask you that you asked one one another earlier today, what would you do in a 24-hour period of time if the only criteria was to pursue your deepest joy? And what if you did that one day out of the week for your entire life? That's one-seventh of your life dedicated to joy and delight. The problem is so many of us have yet to bake a rhythm or a practice or a discipline into our lives that will stir delight. So we have no idea what we actually enjoy doing. And so we can't think of anything more to do on our days off than binging singles inferno or getting lost on social media, watching cat videos to still do. I can't tell you how many people I've asked, what do you enjoy doing? For them to say, I don't know. I don't know, like, just chilling, I guess. And it's sad to me that we have no idea, we're not aware of what brings us joy, what brings us delight, what actually feeds our souls. When we live in the rhythm of Sabbath, we create intentional space to discover what brings us joy and delight. But here's the thing. The reality is that some weeks this will be easy. And other weeks this will be really hard. Right? We talked about this last week that you'll find that even though Sabbath is the day for delight, you may feel difficult emotions. 
There's such a thing as Sabbath sadness. Why? Because when you stop, the emotions you've been avoiding finally catch up to you. And that's okay. Because to get to delight, we have to allow ourselves to honestly feel whatever is going on within us. But this is why Sabbath is so beautiful. This is why Sabbath comes every seven days. To remind us of the goodness of God in all the seasons of our lives, including the ones that don't feel very good. Right? Unlike other spiritual disciplines like prayer or scripture or fasting, the timing of Sabbath isn't set by our own internal clock. It's set by God himself. Right? Six days you work and one day you rest. Six days you work, one day you delight. Well, every other discipline is like, oh man, I'm going through a tough day. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. Or I'm going, to, I'm going to open up the word so I can find some wisdom this morning. Every other discipline we set the schedule for, but Sabbath is the only thing that God sets an intentional rhythm for. Six days of work, one day of Sabbath. Sabbath comes at the end of a great week and at the end of a difficult one. Sabbath comes when we finish all of our to-do lists and when we're super behind and haven't done a single thing. Sabbath comes in the summer and in the winter. Sabbath comes when all is well and when our lives are falling apart. And so because of this rhythm, no matter what kind of week or season that you're in, we have a season where we have intentionally devoted a day that we've intentionally devoted to rest and delight in God. Sabbath comes every week to remind us that it's okay, that we're not okay. In those seasons of the dark night where our prayers are unanswered, where our dreams are over, where we feel the absence of God's presence more than his availability, the Sabbath comes regardless. And with it, a sense of peace and trust that God is coming despite our circumstances, that joy is coming despite the darkness of night. Sabbath reminds us that God and rest and joy and delight are coming. Teaching us to delight in every season of our lives, reminding us that though sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. This is why Sabbath can't just be, oh, I feel like Sabbathing this month. Or like, this week feels a convenient, convenient to try Sabbathing. When we bake Sabbath in as a discipline, Saying no matter what, every week, this day, this 24-hour period, or 12-hour period, I'm going to devote to rest. Something about that creates a, a rhythm in our lives where regardless of what we're going through, we can trust and remember that God has my back, that he has my life in his hands. Sabbath doesn't work as a haphazardly done thing. It only works when we're consistently doing it. And so today... There are two very simple action plans that I'm going to leave with you. And they're really fun because today's all about delight. And so the first one is this. Plan a Sabbath feast. A traditional Jewish Sabbath always began with the feast. They would gather their close family and friends and kick off Sabbath with a shared meal celebrating life together. And so get together with loved ones and your only mission is to just feast and enjoy each other's company, whether it's with two or 20, whether it's dinner on Friday night or lunch on Sunday afternoon after church. And you know what? We're going to give you a freebie. We're actually going to do a Sabbath meal together next Sunday at Spark Social after church, 99 Social. We're going to set it up for you. But my challenge to you is do it on your own. Gather some friends, gather some loved ones, and begin your Sabbath or end your Sabbath or during the middle of your Sabbath, get together and feast. 
If we follow the ancient Jewish structure, this is actually some suggestions of ways that you could go about it. Um, number one, you could light two candles. And so you know it's not just a dinner party. We're actually doing something intentionally here. And the two candles actually symbolize one for remembrance and one for observation. One, we remember why we Sabbath, that God rested on the seventh day, that God uh, freed the Israelites from Egypt, from slavery. And I'm no longer a slave to my work. I'm no longer a slave to the things that I own. And then observe, we keep this day holy. We're doing this because we're setting apart this day, making it sacred. Another thing you could do is read a psalm, right? Read a liturgy together, go through a Bible verse and just set the day off with that. Another thing you could do if you have kids, uh, bless the children, or since most of us don't have kids, bless each other. Just spend a little bit of time praying over one another and blessing each other. Another thing, pray. Pray together. Say, God, we thank you for the Sabbath. We, we consecrate it for you. And then the most important thing, feast. Like, eat good food. Drink good wine. Have a good time with each other. I've been seeing all of you guys on social media doing that lately with each other. And that makes me really happy as a pastor. More than um, you guys, I don't know, coming to church on Sunday and worshiping. There's something powerful about getting together around a table and eating together. Another thing you could do is share highlights of the week where we can maximize remembering and delighting in our lives in God's world. Share what you're grateful for. If you guys remember when we did Seder, uh, we did Dayanu, which actually translates to it would have been enough, but. And that's a cool thing that you can do in a meal. It would have been enough if I had just gotten through the week, but I had this really amazing moment when I visited that museum and I got inspired, right? It would have been enough, but. And then just celebrate life together. I love, there was a CG season that Dan planned at the end. We did 15 toasts or something like that. Or we just toasted to something that God did beautiful in our lives in that season. And that was my favorite CG. I mean, I love all CGs, but that was my favorite CG that I've ever had. And then there's something about coming together and celebrating life together. So that's your mission, your, your action plan this week. Plan a Sabbath meal. If you don't do it, we got you on Sunday. But it's not going to be as cool. We're not going to have candles because I don't think we can light it there. Okay. That's number one. Number two action plan. Pleasure stacking. These are freebies, guys. Pleasure stacking. What's pleasure stacking? Psychologists came up with this term to describe when you save up all of your favorite experiences for a single moment. So imagine like on your birthday or your anniversary or vacation, like you're saving up all this money so you could go splurging when you go to Hawaii or when you go on that trip or when you celebrate your anniversary, right? This is pleasure stacking. We, we save up all these experiences, all these dreams, all these things that we want to do, our resources, so that we could enjoy it on a single day. The Sabbath is a day for pleasure stacking, right? A day where you get to enjoy all the experiences you've been saving up for a special occasion, eating at that restaurant that you've been wanting to try, hiking that trail that you've been eyeing, visiting that new art exhibit you've been hearing about, whatever will feed your soul, whether it's the arts, music, singing, dancing, laughing, walking, picnic, flowers, sweets, time with family, friends, the outdoors, Whatever it might be, enjoying the sunset. For Krista and I, on our Sabbaths, we've been doing this thing called neighborhood dates, where we've been in San Francisco for a few years now, um, but we haven't really intricately explored each neighborhood. So we'll actually take turns. The first week, I have to choose a neighborhood and plan an activity and a meal at a restaurant that represents that neighborhood, and next week, she has to do that. And it's been so fun. Like, we look forward to our Sabbath and going to a neighborhood and splurging on a meal and enjoying it. Like, the other day, we were at Bernal Heights, and we went down that slide with cardboard. I almost messed up my back again, but it was so much fun. 
And we've been enjoying it, looking forward to it. It's a day that we treasure in our hearts and look forward to every single week. Lately, we kind of veered off of that and um, kind of nerdy of me, but there's this, there's this place called Game Parlor in the Sunset where you just pay a fee. And you just get whatever board games you want and just play those board games. And so for the last two weeks, we've taken a break from neighborhood dates. And we've been um, eating at Santung and then going to Game Parlor, which is right next to it, and just playing board games and figuring out new games to play. Whatever brings delight and enjoyment, this is the day for pleasure stacking. And so the challenge to you this week is make a list of activities that bring you joy and delight. And plan to do one or three of them during Sabbath. Preferably three, or you could be okay and do two, but don't do one. Don't be lame. Do three at least, okay? And so this is the day where we pleasure stack. And the questions that you could ask yourself are this. Will it merely be a break or joy? There's a difference. Will this lead my heart to wonder or back to routine? Will my heart be more grateful or just happy that I got something done? And so we're looking for things that feed our souls, that feed our delight. Let's see, 1226. Okay. Do you guys want to watch like a long video really quick? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I have this really, I have this video and I want to share with you because I think it's really relevant to this. And I watched it during the pandemic and kind of went into an existential crisis. I hope it doesn't do that for you, but I, I promise I'll tie it in at the end and bring it back to God. But it's this video by Kurskiskat. I don't know how to pronounce it. He's this YouTube guy that does a lot of research about um, black holes and stuff. But anyway, he, um, <laughs> He does this video, very insightful video about our life and the time that we have. And so it's kind of long. It's like six minutes. About one in 20 people watching this video will get to live to 100. Let's assume you are one of the lucky ones, which means you had a total of 5,200 weeks of life at your disposal when you were born. You spent the first 600 weeks of your life being a kid and 400 being a teenager. During this time, you were pretty useless for society and also not very free to make your own decisions. As a payoff, you were somewhat spared from the consequences and responsibilities of adulthood. Mostly because well-meaning adults protected you by cleaning up your mess and giving you time to find yourself. This time is necessary to make you, at least in theory, a functioning human. Although most people probably don't feel like that after puberty. In any case, by the time you're 20, over 1,000 of your 5,200 weeks have passed. Depending on what you aspire to, at this point you're either working already or have entered further education. The amount of fun you can have in this phase of your life varies a lot. If you pick up a trade or need to work to support yourself or others, the serious side of life begins earlier. If you go to university, you get to push back work life a bit longer. In any case, most people start working for real in their 20s at the latest, which begins the productive or potentially grindy or soul-crushing period of your life. People tend to work until the age of 65, which means that you'll spend at least 2,000 weeks of your life with serious adult work, hopefully in a job that makes you feel good and appreciated or that makes the world better. This is such an important thing that we'll look at work and how you can try to find a satisfying career in another video. This is the main block of life for most people, the time when you might have kids and travel a bit and climb the career ladder and build a house, may get divorced and fall in love again. In this phase, you transition from being young to middle-aged to old. Not old old, but the young old of your 60s. At 65, you've used up 3,400 of your 5,200 weeks. The last phase of your life begins. 
If you've managed to acquire enough wealth to retire, in theory, you're now free to do whatever you like for up to 1,800 weeks. But of course, this is not how it works for the majority of you watching this video. 19 out of 20 people will not live to 100. The average lifespan in the US is 79. In Germany, it's 81. In Japan, 84. In Brazil, it's 75. If you die at age 80, which is still not bad, you only have 780 weeks of freedom after you retire. That's roughly as many weeks of freedom as an old person as you spent as a child. Unfortunately, disease and the tiredness of age trip you up here, because with old age, the human body begins to decline sharply. For example, the vast majority of cancer-related deaths occur in people over 70. If you bet all your fun cards on being free and happy in your retirement, you might be bitterly disappointed. And all of this is still assuming things work out and you even get to grow old. You can drown in a pool at age 7, get cancer at age 32, die in a car crash at age 48. You can fall from a ladder at age 60. Every day the universe rolls a bunch of dice for every human, and every day someone somewhere on this planet rolls a critical failure and their life ends that day. The older you get, the more dice are rolled for you. Usually when you swim through the ocean that is your life, you don't think about all of this too much and that's fine. Life is engaging enough by itself and the future is this undefined weird thing. But thinking about it from time to time is helpful in refocusing on what you want to do and to minimize regrets you will have when you look back. And to remind you that if you don't use your time today, you might not get a chance to use it tomorrow. Life is complicated and it's hard to make decisions between all the things and people that are important to you. This has become painfully obvious to billions of people during the coronavirus pandemic. If you respected social distancing, so many things that we took for granted were not available anymore. Traveling and public places and eating out and seeing friends and meeting new people. Spending time together became limited and precious, but actually, the time you have with the people you love is already precious. Think of your parents. As a child, you spend basically every day with them. Your time spent together begins to decline as you transition and become a teenager and fight to develop your own identity. But as teenagers, you probably still see them regularly, which changes as you enter your 20s when most people move out for university, for work, or just to be on their own. If you're making an effort to be with your parents for two full weeks each year for the rest of their lives, which covers the main holidays, birthdays, and a bit extra, you still have already spent more than 90% of the time you will ever spend with them, even if they grow pretty old. If they die earlier, or if you see them only a few days each year, this number shrinks even more. So, in all likelihood, the vast majority of time you will ever spend with your parents has passed. The same holds true for your siblings or old friends that moved to the other side of the country. You're at the tail end of the time with some of the most important people in your life. One day, you will see them for the last time. And it's actually the same with everything else. The concept of doing something for the last time feels eerie, like something that you should only experience when you're on death row or extremely old or something like that. But it happens all the time. Is there a hobby you've been lazy about for a long time? Maybe you still have those Warhammer minis that you wanted to paint. Did you always want to revisit that place where you had an amazing time a decade ago? 
Is there someone you wanted to reach out to for a long time but haven't yet? Or pick up that sport again to meet new friends? Maybe you will never do any of these things again because life gets in the way and at some point it's too late. As the global pandemic begins to wind down, we will all soon be able to be with each other again and do fun things together. It's never a bad time to reach out to a friend or a potential friend and let them know that you're looking forward to hanging out. But no matter when you're watching this, our life is an incredible gift. And there are so many fun, engaging and fulfilling things to do. And you get to decide what and who matters to you. But what matters the most is that you actually make decisions from time to time. All right. Any of you guys facing existential dread after watching that? Just me? Yeah. <laughs> the, the point of this is... Yeah, why, why did I show you this depressing video? Service is over now. I think the thing I want to drive really is that I think a lot of times we're, we're kind of holding off on really enjoying life or celebrating life or like really enjoying ourselves. Like we, we hold it off for vacation every year or we hold, we're holding off for retirement. But there's something about what if we can enjoy life right now, bake it into our weeks so that by the end of our lives, we haven't regretted not enjoying the things that we had while we had them, enjoying the people while they were in our lives. You know, I thought I would be living close to my best friends my entire life. We grow old together. And I told you this last year, all of them moved to Southern California. Like all of my best friends, literally none are left. All of them moved to Southern California. And I never realized that the last 10 years of my life were special. And that I had this special chance to be in the same city, in the same industry, seeing very often the friends that I was the most closest to, but now it's gone. And I think there are things in life that we have to enjoy in the present moment because they're not guaranteed tomorrow. And when we Sabbath, we do that. We make an intentional space to say, I'm not gonna wait for joy not until another season, not until another time, not until another city. Delight and joy, I'm going to experience it right now. It's a discipline. We'll end with this quote by Marva Don. She said, observing the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to be as careful as we can, to fill our lives with beauty and to share beauty with the world around us. When we observe a day especially set apart for beauty, all the rest of life, is made more beautiful. This isn't just about a day. It's about the week. It's not just about a day. It's about a lifetime. How different would our week be if we set aside a day to make room for beauty and joy and celebration? How different would our lives be if we devoted one-seventh of it to delight? I'm going to invite the worship team up, and we're going to close in a time of response. And so um, why don't we close our eyes, and why don't we pray together? And I'm just going to read you a song, or not a song, uh, a prophetic declaration from the prophet Isaiah. And so why don't we close our eyes and why don't we read this together? This is what the prophet Isaiah says. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. When we honor the Sabbath, God honors us with delight. When we honor the Sabbath, 
God says, I will give you joy. When we create this space, I will respond in likeness. I will give you the deepest satisfaction and joy that you have been craving your entire life. I will give you rest. I don't know if the video hits you or any of my words, but is there, is there something that's moving you right now? Is there any conviction or any prompt that you feel from God to make more space for joy and delight in your life? Maybe it's, it's been hard for you in this season to do that. But maybe God's simply asking, will you still trust and discipline yourself to make the space and trust that I will fill it, that after the night comes my joy? What are the things that you love? What are the things in God's creation that you delight in? What are the things in your life that God is challenging you to be grateful for? What will it take to be a person of delight and joy? God, we thank you, Lord, that you've created us not just for your enjoyment. You've created all of creation not just for your enjoyment and pleasure, but so that we can enjoy it with you. And I pray that we would become people that's more than about our work, more than about our careers, more than about productivity, but that we'd be people that have just as high a value for beauty and joy and delight and celebration. We know there's a big celebration coming for all of eternity at the end of our lives. But right here in this space, in this lifetime, while we're here, we get to taste eternity once every week. We get to taste the delight of your never-ending pleasure and joy once a week. But it takes work. It takes intentionality. It takes rhythm. So would you move us to do that? 